0: And so today, we're going to talk about a different kind of baptism. We're going to talk about the baptism in water, because we are having a baptismal service for the first time in two years. Because of COVID, we had to postpone that for another year. But right out here, uh, God willing, and we're going to pray for wonderful weather. Somebody say amen. And we're going to pray that God blesses. We're going to have the baptismal tank out here as usual. And we're going to baptize people who have come to faith. Isn't that an awesome thing? But we want to talk about water baptism today. What does that mean? By the way, how many enjoyed the message last week? Madonna preached, and <clears throat> I'll try not to be nearly as long-winded as what she was. Okay. So. so uh today as we talk about water baptism, according to the scriptures, because there's a lot of different ideas about water baptism. Now, somebody says, oh, pastor, we've heard water baptism messages a long time. But, you know, it's important that we continue to proclaim the full gospel. Somebody say amen. And water baptism is a part of that gospel. Jesus himself, according to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, that he went from Galilee to the Jordan River. Why did he do that? Well, the scriptures tell us why. To be baptized by John. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? He's the Son of God. He's perfect. He didn't have any sins to repent of. But John agreed with this. He tried to talk him out of it. He said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. John recognized that he was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, no, so <clears throat> why, uh, why are you coming to me when I, you should be baptizing me? But Jesus said, and listen to what the words of Jesus said. How many you like what Jesus, when he talks, you know, if you got a Bible uh, it, and, and, and the words in red are generally the words of Jesus, Jesus said, it should be done, okay? It should be done. Why, Jesus? Why does it have to be done? For we must, say must, must is an imperative word, and let me tell you, it is uh, without a doubt, absolutely has to be done. We must carry out all, say all, A-double-L, not some, but all that God requires. Say requires. Requires. And so John agreed to baptize him after his baptism as Jesus came up out of the water. Notice he came up out of the water, for when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, he was immersed in, under the water, and came up out of the water. It says that the heavens were opened. I, I think that is awesome. And I don't think that's a one-time occurrence. I really do not. I believe that whenever we fulfill the requirements that we must do, that we do all things right, it's not just an empty rite, a religious rite, or a ceremony, but it is graced and anointed by The presence of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit shows up at water baptisms when we identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it should be done. We must carry out all that God requires. And so he was baptized. He went under the water, came up out of the water, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove settling on him. He saw this doesn't say anybody else saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, but Jesus saw it. And verse 17 says, and a voice. So the Spirit of God descended like a dove settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. In other words, the Father speaks... As the Son is baptized, fulfilling all that God requires and everything that is right, the third person of the Godhead is there as well. The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and lights upon him. So we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Anybody have a problem with the Trinity? It's right here. Demonstrated right here. Somebody say Amen. And so we see that Jesus did what was right. And, and, and we think about baptism in our day. We think about it today. I can remember back uh, in uh, 1974, after I came back to the Lord as a backslider, never was baptized before when I got saved at 14, but I, I spent a few years away from God doing my thing and sinning, and, uh, and I repented, came back to the Lord. And my pastor, bless his heart, he's in heaven today, uh, that he spoke about water baptism, said we're going to have a water baptism service. My friend, who was later in my wedding, uh, as my uh, best man, Gary, uh, and another friend, Tim um, uh, Lepe, was there, and we, all three of us guys, young men, we got baptized. And I remember when it happened. I remember going under and coming up, and I remember feeling something. Say we did something that God said was necessary, and and what He requires. And when I came up after doing it, I felt something. See, some people go on feelings. Say, well, Pastor, I don't feel like I need to be baptized. Well, it doesn't matter what you feel. Somebody might say that I'm going on a picnic and I don't feel like it's supposed to rain. Well, it might rain anyway, no matter whether you feel like it or not. All right? And so here we have it. You know, I got up out of that baptistry tank and I felt something different. Something happened supernaturally to me. Now, I've heard testimonies. Many testimonies, have read testimonies, of of people who, uh, wh- before they got saved, were involved in the occult. And uh, they had uh, some uh, demonic oppression kind of lingering and kind of biting at their heels. And just some memories that were tormenting to them. Maybe had dreams and things like this where the devil's trying to torment them. Can I just tell you, when you get saved, you enter into a spiritual warfare on the winning side. Okay? there's There's a real enemy out there. And can I tell you some good news? He's a real enemy. He's the devil and his demonic minions that are with him to do evil and to tempt you, that they have limited power, limited mobility. They are not omnipresent, not all-powerful, and they are not omniscient, all-wise. Only God is. Amen? And so when we get attacked sometimes, I've had people... Have read the testimonies and heard their testimonies is that when they obeyed in water baptism, is they went in, identifying with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ in that watery grave and come up out, that the Holy Spirit instantly they're delivered, and that's not my words, that's not my testimony, but that is what I've heard and I've seen in people. God does something supernatural when we do that. See, I believe that as well. Um, that when we uh, take the sacrament of communion is that it's not an empty ceremony or rite, but the Holy Spirit is involved in that in the same as with communion. I have heard testimonies and heard people say that when I took uh, the, the bread that represents his broken body and when I took the, the cup that represents his blood that he made covenant with me, I got healed in my body. Or the Holy Spirit came over me and He took my worries and my fears away. I got, see, something supernatural happens. We go into water baptism, as we do with communion, by faith. Everything must be done by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we go into this obeying God, and God is pleased. When Jesus came up, a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son, and he brings me great joy. I believe God feels the same about you and me when we obey in water baptism after we've repented of our sins. So there's uh, baptism throughout the world can be a very, and even some places in the States, can be a little bit risky. Uh, Church history shows that the time of baptism is often a time of persecution. It was in the uh, early days of the church and in Rome and throughout the Christian world, the Roman world at that time for the first several hundred years, is that uh, if you got baptized, you identified with The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is that you became an outcast and you became the target of great persecution is because you were doing that. Many times, even in today's world, in certain parts of the world, especially in the Middle East, is that if a person converts to Christianity and is baptized, is they are cut off from their family, from their relatives, and from their community. Uh, they no longer sometimes have jobs to go to where they can make a living. They oftentimes have to relocate to try to find some place that's a little bit more friendly towards Christianity. Many times and oftentimes in these come, some of these countries that are hostile to Christianity, they would even put a death uh, contract on that child for turning against the family. They're consider you to be dead to do that. And so it's risky for some. Uh, it opens up the door for persecution, and uh, still true today, uh, as it was in times past uh, in some Christian cultures. I don't know if you remember, um, uh, Renee and some of our ladies uh, went uh, to Uganda just a few months ago on a mission trip to Uganda to help Pastor Henry and his uh, multiple churches that he oversees there, that he started and oversees and ministered there for a uh, week or so, a couple of weeks, and then came back. Pastor Henry, remember his testimony. One of the things that uh, attracted me to Pastor Henry at a ministers' luncheon, minister and wives' luncheon up in uh, 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 Pembine, uh, that uh, he came along with uh, Paul Carlson, the then pastor of Gillett, and and introduced us to Pastor Henry from Uganda. And I was, I was struck about many things about him. His intellect. He was a very intellectual guy. In fact, he was going to be a doctor uh, before he got saved and, uh, and became a, a preacher, a minister of the gospel, so he's very intelligent. And secondly, he could speak fluent, very good English, uh, very good English for, for a an Ugandan. And Pastor, the other thing that struck me was the power and the anointing that I felt that God had uh, poured out on this man. And Pastor Henry shared a little bit of his testimony that day, and I said, can you come to my church? Are you going to be here long? And he came to our church, and he shared his testimony. You remember, I mean, some of you remember that. But Pastor Henry, when he became a real Christian, uh, his father turned against him. He was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. His father turned against him and cut him off. In fact, he kicked him out, chased him off. Uh, He wouldn't pay for his education, uh, you know, to to finish high school and to go on to college, to medical school. And he had to leave because of persecution from his own family. Now, Pastor Henry remembers uh, that he said, I slept in the doorways of churches. And there was one church, he said, that left its doors unlocked and I would go in there and sleep under the, the seats, you know, someplace where they couldn't see me. But he had suffered persecution for demonstrating his faith by doing all that God expected and required. And yet, uh, you wonder how that ends up. Well, when you don't go to school in, uh, in Uganda, you end up being among the poor for the rest of your life. But God had plans for Pastor Henry and raised him up to be a church leader, a church planter, and, uh, and a uh, kind of a world shaker, really, a pretty powerful world shaker. But we thank God for that. But sometimes baptism in some countries cuts you off from your family. It's a choice that you make. Am I going to obey God or am I going to enjoy the favor of, of my relatives, of my family? Sometimes that's true. And so we know that we walk into it with open eyes, full expectations of what it means. Baptism also is a lot of misinformation going on around about it. Some believe that uh, we are not to be baptized with water at all. I don't know what you'd be baptized with, but that's kind of a weird thing. Uh, the Church of Christ uh, and other denominations in particular believes that there's no salvation without it. There's some Pentecostal uh, churches that believe that unless you're baptized in water in only Jesus' name, that you're not really saved. Now That's not biblical, is it? Jesus himself gave the formula, which we'll talk about, baptizing them in the name of what? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The same three, the Trinity, that showed up at Jesus' baptism. Uh, Some churches sprinkle with water. Some people take water and pour on top of the head of, of, of those who are being baptized and they'll immerse them three times, you know, sometimes during immersion they'll immerse them three times, one, two, three. Uh, some believe that uh, the Christian can baptize other Christians, that it doesn't take a minister and others believe, their traditions are, that only the professional clergy can baptize. Okay? And I can just dispel that. I believe that uh, that obedience is the more important part. There's nowhere in Jesus' uh teaching or the scriptures teaching that uh, only ministers can baptize others we see that uh, done different times throughout the centuries uh, other things being done so what does the bible say about baptism now uh, it's pretty simple i'm a simple person Uh, i'm i'm easy Uh, i remember dr george westlake in kansas city said that he told young pastors always remember the kiss principle Uh, What does the KISS principle mean? He says, my mother used to tell me that, he said. KISS principle is, is keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Jesus, as uh, Dr. Westlake used to say, always preached and taught on an eighth grade level so that everybody could understand exactly what he said. He didn't use highfalutin words, uh, you know, uh, didn't uh, stand on platitudes, but he was humble and he just shared. His mission in life was to communicate to everyone on their level. Isn't that a good idea today? Amen. So who should be baptized is the question. Who should be baptized? Peter replied in Acts: 241 uh, on the day of Pentecost after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, endued with power, spoke with other tongues, and on the day of Pentecost, which we'll talk about next week, when he left and the other 120 left the upper room, they flowed out of the upper room and into the temple courts. They were praising and giving glory to the great wonders and deeds of God. And they were speaking in tongues while they did that. And it says that all of the, uh, those who had come to Jerusalem, all those who had traveled there for the feasts, heard them speaking of the wonderful deeds of God in their own language. They understood what they were saying. And so this was a phenomenon. And other people asked, what does this mean? You know, this doesn't make sense. What does this mean? You know, some people mocked and said that they're drunk. uh, And uh, Peter got up and said, it's the third hour of the day. You know, they're not drunk, but this is what happened. And he began to tell about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then he began to preach Christ and Him crucified. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, shed his innocent blood as an atonement, as a sacrifice for our sins, so that we who repent can believe on his name and become born again and be saved and become part of the family of God. It's a very simple message because God wanted everybody to understand the plan of salvation. Even a wayfaring fool can understand the gospel. It's a very simple thing. There's a very simple thing. that you know, Basically, what he said was repent. What does repent mean? Repent means to turn from your sins, turn your back and repent of your sins, renounce them. In other words, what does that mean? It's a lot of, seems to be hard to understand for somebody. It means that, listen to me, if you are stealing, embezzling, or stealing, or being dishonest, you repent of that and ask God to forgive you for it, and you turn your back on it, and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's pretty simple, right? Another thing is if I am, listen, if I am having sexual relations with anyone outside of the covenant of marriage, a man to a woman, a woman to a man, then I renounce that, and I ask God to cleanse me of that, and I turn my back on it, and I turn towards God. See, it's turning towards God. As you leave one direction, you walk walk away from it. Somebody say, "Amen." This is what repentance is, and so in order to be saved, Peter said, uh, "They must be uh, they must be uh, uh, repent repent of their sins." And that's what Peter preached. Peter preached, "You must be saved by repentance, and each of you, after you have your sins forgiven, turn to God and be." baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And there's a lot of deception, false information about this even. Only those who have made a deliberate choice to repent of their sins and believe and receive Christ as Savior should be baptized. There is no evidence, can I just tell you this, no evidence in the scriptures anywhere uh, where we baptize infants. So who do we baptize? People who have repented of their sins. Can an infant realize they're a sinner yet? No. Can they make a deliberate choice? No. All they care about is where their next milk is going to come from. All they care about is getting a dry diaper or a clean diaper. All they care about is being coddled in health, right? Receiving love. That's all they know at that time. But there comes an age of accountability, and I believe with each child that is different, the maturity level is that suddenly a child realizes that I'm a sinner, that, that I have failed God in some way, and their little conscience is pricked, and they begin to realize that I need, I need something. I don't know what I need, but I need, and that's where it's important for Christian parents, Sunday school teachers, girls' ministry, boys' ministry, king's kids, to, to have a time when the gospel is presented in a, in a language that they can understand. So, they can realize that I can get rid of this conviction by turning to Jesus. So, we raised all five of our daughters in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We taught them the scriptures. We prayed with them. We did devotions with them. Uh, you know, we took them to Sunday school church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church. Uh, when revivals happened, seven, we used to have seven day a week revivals, and uh, we took them every night. That yeah, was it hard. It was real hard but it was well worth it, because there was one time that Ruben Herrera, missionary to Mexico, was up uh, from Mexico, and he was preaching, and he preached a series of uh, messages, and there was a Sunday night when uh, Ruben Herrera preached, and boy was he a preacher, and he preached his heart out, and he preached about eternity, and about heaven or hell, and see, my little daughter was uh, probably five years old at that time, and she was going to a Christian school, went to a good church. We thought that she understood the gospel, but apparently that night she went home, and uh, it was late. We got home, and she kept telling her mama, You know, mama, my, tum- my tummy hurts. My tummy hurts. It hurts. And, and Donna said, Well, you know, you'll, you'll be okay. You just stayed up late. You need to get some sleep. And she laid in there and cried. And so mom went in and tried to talk to her and said, Honey, what, what's the matter? What do you mean your stomach? She said, her, she said My heart hurts. Well, what do you mean your heart hurts? It hurts. My heart hurts. And in her little girl language was trying to tell her that Donna finally figured out, Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit who opens up truth, uh, that her heart hurt because she said, I've sinned. She listened to Ruben Herrera preach his message. And you wouldn't think she could understand, but she understood that I'm not right with God. And she was led to the Lord by my wife, by her mom, and afterwards she smiled and her heart quit hurting. See, See, she was a candidate for water baptism. And some children want to be baptized because it seems to be a novelty, seems to be fun. That's where the parents come in and our children's workers where they have to make sure they understand what they're really doing. Sometimes water baptism can give people a false hope. That they're saved. Well, I got baptized, so I'm saved. I, I'm, you know, I'm going to heaven, but not necessarily so, because it's not what you do to get saved. It's what Christ did. See, it's what He did on the cross. We don't earn our salvation by being water baptized. That's like hooking the horse up to the back of the cart and expecting the cart to go forward. See, that'd be silly, wouldn't it? You have to repent and believe, receive Christ as Savior. You have to be born again. And once you're born again, then you're baptized. You're baptized because you made a choice, because you are saved, not because you want to be saved. Water baptism to those who haven't repented is nothing more than a quick bath. And that's all. You just get wet. You're a wet sinner. You go in wet and you come out wet. But water baptism for those who have repented is a powerful, supernatural thing. The Bible clearly teaches us that those who have chosen to repent of their sins and surrender their lives to Christ are to be baptized. They're to be baptized. Now, Cornelius, there's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 10, where this Roman soldier, uh, he said he was, uh, the scriptures tell us in uh, Acts 10, that he was a good man, that he was a God-fearer that he believed in the god of the jews he didn't believe in the roman gods and he did good works he gave alms to the poor <clears throat> and and yet that didn't save him because he did good works and what happened is god gives peter a vision while peter's on top of a roof and this incredible vision which you can read about i'm not preaching about it today so you have to go back and read it but peter you know was about unclean foods and peter was hungry and it's like you know Peter, you know, the voice said, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, they're unclean animals. They're not kosher. I'm not eating. I can't do that. Three times that did. And then the sheet was taken up into heaven. And <clears throat> and then uh, the voice, he knows that there's people coming for him. And the Lord get, tells him, you go with them. I've set this up. Well, that was days earlier they started on that journey to get Peter because Cornelius, the Roman soldier, was told in a dream, you need to send for Peter in Joppa. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, God knows where we are, right? That's not so crazy. God knows we have, we God knows right where we're at. When we're lost, we're not lost because He knows where we're at. Amen. And so He goes. Peter goes with them, and Peter goes, and he. You know, he said, I'm not even supposed to really be as a good Jew under the house, the roof of a Gentile, but I'm here because, and Peter had an entourage of other Jewish believers who came with him, and he stands there and he says, but the Lord showed me that I shouldn't hold it against you because what who he's cleansed, you know, don't call unclean." And, and so Peter, what does he do? He preaches the gospel to them, and, and while he's preaching... His Cornelius and his household, even his servants, they believe in Jesus. And right after they believe in Jesus, suddenly the Holy Spirit comes on them and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak with other tongues. Peter, his mind was just blown, as were the other Jewish believers, because they thought that the gospel of Jesus Christ was only for the Jew. And certain Gentiles who might, you know, be converted and submit to uh all the rigors of the law he was shocked can i tell you sometimes even we can get shocked by who jesus decides to save we should never be surprised or hold it against them it's like oh whoever thought they would ever get saved right amen i, t- I tell you i you know i wasn't the worst of sinners but i was pretty bad when i was apart from god during my teen years and uh, they need, they had, All my friends had a nickname for me that I partied with. They called me Jerome. Jerome was a, was an old black alcoholic that walked up and down the streets from bar to bar in Liberty, Missouri, my hometown. And I thought it was a badge of honor. Oh, they called me Jerome. I must be really funny. Truth of the matter is, I was on my way to hell until I turned back to the Lord. Some people might have said, who could save him? He's so far from God. I knew a, a guy named Jimmy Bratcher. Some of you may know him. If you go to the coffee house in Green Bay, he was a frequent um, uh, artist that performed there many times. Jimmy Bratcher went to high school. He was older than I was. He was my sister and brother-in-law's age, probably about three years old or four years older than me. But Jimmy became a drug addict, alcoholic, had hair, stringy hair, not like Mike's all nice and clean, but stringy, long hair. And uh, and he he was violent. He was out of his mind most of the time. He walked around in the little uh, dog and Says restaurant I worked in through high school. He'd come over there, try to start fights on the parking lot, and the owner would have to go out and dress him down and get rid of him. He was in and out of jail, and somebody thought he'll never. Of all the people, you know. He'll never get saved. And then I heard my sister call me and tell me, you know Jimmy Bratcher, you remember him? Guess what happened to him? He heard the gospel, and he got saved. That boy got saved. And I thought, is he even still alive? He was so emaciated physically, messed up. His mind had burned more brain cells than I thought could ever grow back. And yet, God did a miracle. See, we never count anybody out. Everybody is a candidate for salvation. Everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Jimmy became a preacher of the gospel, he was rough around the edges for many years. Because, see, he, he was black and white. Everything's black and white. And, you know, in Christianity, that's really the way it is. But he had very little grace for people who didn't tote the line. But he soon balanced out. How many of the Holy Spirit balances you out and gives you mercy and grace for people as well? Jimmy became a preacher of the gospel where I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of people got saved under his ministry, a musician, and travels throughout the country to preach and to sing about Jesus who saved the one who it was, in human terms, impossible to get saved. And so Peter finds this out, that nobody is left out of God's equation for salvation. And when this happens and this whole group is speaking in tongues and they're all Romans, they're not even uh, real Christians like Jews are, and he's blown away and he, and he asked the question after this happens, you know and it kind of, he asked the question, probably looking to his Jewish peers that are with him, Jewish believers. and he says, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit, just like we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ afterward. Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. And so they wanted to stay. And we want to hear more about Jesus. More about Jesus. And Peter stayed several days and helped them out to disciple them. So never count anybody out. Cornelius was not supposed to get saved according to religious rules, but how many know God breaks religious rules? Amen? And then we see in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, and following the Philippian jailer, which is probably well known to most of you here today. And uh, this... Paul and Silas get arrested, locked into the lower prison. we just teaching through the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, if you want to come for the Bible study, and we just talked about this last week. They were locked in the lower prison, the lower dungeon. The jailer was commanded to keep them secure, which meant if they get out, You give your life for them. That was the penalty for a jailer. You lose a prisoner, you die in that prisoner's place. You suffer their fate. Well, you know, at midnight, as Paul and Silas, as they were beat with rods, and they were locked in stocks, not only in jail, but locked in stocks, and they began at midnight, say midnight, in all their pain, and all the injustice that had happened against them, they began to moan and cry and blame God for everything. I don't think that's what it says, is it? At midnight, they began to do what? They began to sing praises to God, singing hymns, and, cry, and just glorifying God. And the Bible says there that everyone in that prison heard them the sound echoed off the walls from the lower prison and rose up into all the other cells and all the other criminals heard them praising God and it had to mess with their mind thinking how can people who were mistreated and beaten, locked in stocks in the lower part of the prison in total blackness and darkness, I always say when I read this that I I imagine that there's rats scurrying around Bugs, cockroaches. I mean, who knows what's there in the dark. But I wouldn't like being there. But they began to worship in the darkest hour. In great pain, began to praise him. They were not fair-weather friends of God. They were sold out to Jesus Christ and to the gospel. And When they begin to praise God, something happened in the supernatural realm. That is the spiritual realm that we cannot see where angels and demons are, that something happened. I think as the word of God declares is that our praises and our worship rises up to God's nostrils like incense. I believe that God took a deep breath and thought, that smells so sweet. Sacrifice of praise from those who are suffering from my name. They're not griping, complaining. That is so sweet that God took a big sniff and then sneezed. <laughs> and what happened when he did that is the ground shook in the natural. The earthquake came and rattled the prison gates. And the Bible says that every single gate was open and yet nobody left, not one prisoner bolted and ran out for their freedom. Why? I think they wanted to hear more about this God. Say, I think they were thirsty to hear about God. The Philippian jailer runs in, he starts to fall on his sword because he thought, I'm a dead man anyway, and Paul and Silas stop, no, don't do that, all the prisoners are here, nobody left, and And then he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? He wanted to know about God too. I don't know if he heard up in his prison office, whatever that would look like in those days, Paul and Silas singing praise after they'd been beat and tortured. But it had to affect the man's heart. It had to mess with his head because that doesn't make sense. And when he asked that question, they replied. I think when he says they, I think they in unison, Paul and Silas together, said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone, say everyone, in his household were immediately baptized. And so this was the tradition, this was the policy, this was the practice of the early church. That was baptism followed a conversion to salvation. And then one final example is the Ethiopian eunuch. How many know what a eunuch is? Well, we'll go into that some other time in sex education. But the eunuch, uh, the eunuch was a very important person. Uh, he was a, a, a very important... He was the treasurer of King, uh, Queen Candace. Uh, and, uh, and, and he was in this country for the feast. He was a God-fearer. And he was riding along in his chariot. And he's trying to read something. And the Spirit of God tells Philip, the evangelist, uh, who God uh, brought there, and he said, Go up to this chariot and engage a conversation with him. You know, just like today... It would not be uncommon for the Holy Spirit to move on your heart. And when you look at someone who's maybe a complete stranger, but the Holy Spirit will say, go up next to them and engage them in conversation. What am I talking about? I'm talking about being a spokesperson for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, but a stranger, pastor? Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. When I was in business and in sales and traveled all over, I did that a lot, and it was a lot of fun. I'd come home at the dinner table and tell my children about how many people I talked about Jesus that day. And I'd say, this one and that one, and they'd wait. Dad, did you, I bet you're late tonight. Julie said one time, I bet you're late tonight because I got home real late. I bet you're late because you were talking to somebody about Jesus. Can I tell you, it's fun. Listen to the Holy Spirit. God will speak to you, and he will give you an, uh, an unction. He'll give you just a, a, a prompting to go and talk to him. Well, he did that. And, and so uh, Philip obeyed, and uh, he went up to him, and, and the guy invited him in. He asked him, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how can I if nobody's here to teach me? And so he invited him up, on the and he, and he began, as they rode along uh, after, uh, and he explained to him about who Isaiah was talking about, the suffering servant that uh, he was wounded, he was bruised for our transgression, wounded for our, tra- for our sins, and by his stripes we were healed. And he explained to him about Jesus. Well, the guy got saved. He accepted Christ. He was born again. He was converted. And, and he had to talk to him in that gospel about water baptism, too, because as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And... Of course you can. So he ordered the carriage stopped, and they went down into the water, say into, into the water, and, and Philip baptized him. So what an incredible thing. We see this throughout the book of Acts in the early church and throughout church history. So how should we be baptized, second question? Uh, many positions from different denominations, sprinkling, pouring, as we talked about earlier, immersion, which is the biblical uh, standard of being baptized. have up here a, uh, uh, a PowerPoint which uh, talks about baptism. The original in the Greek is baptizo. It does, uh, it does not mean to sprinkle. It means to completely wash and immerse in liquid. This word is used in the classical Greek concerning ships sinking and being baptized, i.e. submerged in water, or a bucket being submerged in a well water. Or to like, as we talked about before in previous messages, about a piece of cloth that is dipped in and soaked in dye. It goes in one color and comes out another, which really tells the whole story of the transformation that happens in a person's heart that obeys the Lord. Uh, this dipping into dye, they come out a different color. When we believe in Jesus and we obey, we come out a different person. Somebody say amen, and that's an awesome thing. So the ordinance of Uh, Communion pictures Christ's death, but the ordinance of water baptism pictures Christ's uh, death and burial and resurrection. The question is here, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 says this, Or have you forgotten, Paul asks, that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, notice that, when you were joined, say joined, with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death for we died say we died and we were buried say we were buried with Christ by baptism and just as say just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father now we also may live new lives so Paul's talking about the miracle and the supernatural power of water baptism that we engage in that is released to us when we do. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, who Luther, you know, they sprinkle, they baptize babies, but Martin Luther said this, and I quote, I could wish that the baptized should be totally immersed according to the meaning of the word and signification of the mystery. So even Martin Luther said, we should be really baptizing by immersion we have a an illustration up here as you look up here and see this it's a wonderful illustration as christ died on the cross for our sins amen and and when when we are being baptized we are crucified with him we die with him what do the scripture say we died right it doesn't that we died physically we died to our old sin nature we died to the old us And we're crucified with him. And secondly, we're buried with him after we die. A buried person gets buried, right? A dead person gets buried. And we're buried with him as Christ was put in the tomb and buried after he died on the cross. We're buried with him when we die to ourself and our old self and our sin. And then we are raised with him just as Christ was raised from the dead. We come up out of the watery grave victorious as he was victorious. And we come alive. We're resurrected. And so what are we doing? We're living out and acting out the reality of what spiritually happened to us when we received Christ as Savior. And what a wonderful thing it is. Third question I have, or the third, uh, is why should we be baptized? And I think the obvious is, is to... Uh, follow Christ's example, uh, to do all that is right and is what is required by the Father. And secondly, to obey the command of Christ. He commanded us to be baptized after we repent of our sins. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's the command of Christ in the Great Commission of Christ. It's also, uh, why do we do it? We do it to publicly identify with Christ. See, baptisms are meant to be open and public. Is that we don't do it in a secret room. Somebody, uh, well, a couple people over the years asked me, Pastor, um, after a baptism, could, could I come in and get baptized privately? I don't like being in front of people. And I said, no. You can't. Why don't you want to publicly? Well, you know, I just don't want people to see me. And and really what they're saying is it's undignified. I I knew somebody many, many years ago uh, that She was a neat as a pin person, never a piece of clothes out of place. Her hair, she was a beautician, her hair was perfect, makeup perfect, dress perfect, 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 perfect. And said she never got water baptized, and people surmised she would never be seen in public with wet hair, looking like a drowned rat. (laughs) And I and I question that. That is difficult. She's missing out on the glory and the blessing of God. We do it also to share in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, identification with him, with him. So, conclusion, if you're saved, if you're born again, truly born again, you should be baptized by immersion. Here's the other thing. If you were baptized by sprinkling or baptized as an infant and you've trusted Christ since, you need to be baptized by immersion to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you say, "Pastor, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grown person." Well, that's okay with me, but that's embarrassing. Get over it. Simply obey what God has prescribed in His Word. All saved people should be baptized because it is commanded in the Bible by Christ Himself. Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back just briefly. We're, um, we're going to conclude today and close the service Uh, we're going to pray for you but we're not going to open up the altars as we normally do today because of the time but I'd like you to uh, to pray about this and those watching online um, by live stream if you have not been baptized properly since you believed in Jesus if you're only baptized as an infant or sprinkled then I'm going to encourage you to call the church office and say put me down to be water baptized. If you call and no one's in the office or they're away from their desk, leave a message on the voicemail and we'll get back to you. But you should obey the Lord in this. It's important. Somebody say amen. And so let's bow our heads in prayer right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts, Lord, that we would do all that is proper, all that is right, that we would obey you in baptism. Lord, I know that some have been received Christ uh, in the passing months over the last year. Lord, who have uh, committed to the Lord, even some who were watching during the COVID shutdown online, who got saved and they expressed an interest in water baptism, that Lord, we would be uh, obedient uh, in that so that we can be pleasing to you in how we behave. And Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen, amen.